I had so much fun talking to Krista Lee Smith, who identifies as an Enya Type 1. I'm also a Type 1, and I always love talking to fellow Type 1s and discovering how we relate to each other and also in what ways we differ. Krista is an amazing artist. Her Instagram feed is full of colorful characters that seem to just dance off the page. You'll hear Krista's story of how she discovered the Enneagram and how she integrated it with her art. Krista and I are actually collaborating right now on an Enneagram series, which we are revealing this week one day at a time. Head over to Instagram to check it out. The type one is our true reformer. They are organized, ethical, and have a strong sense of right and wrong. If you know a type one or have ever met one, you would most certainly notice their attention to detail and desire to do the right thing. Because of their desire to maintain high standards, they can have a tendency to be critical and perfectionistic. At their best, they are diligent, logical, and capable of bringing about great reformation. Listen as we break down some of the key aspects of the Enneagram as they pertain to the reformer. You will love hearing Krista's honesty as we discuss the strengths and the struggles of a type one. Hi, Krista. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for your yeah, I really appreciate it. I'm excited to talk to another type one. I don't know if you knew, but I'm a type one too. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so I'm excited. I like talking to other type ones, seeing how we're similar and how we're different. Yeah. So um, first of all, tell us a little bit more about yourself, your family, where you live. Okay. Um, my name is Krista Smith. I live in New Jersey. I've lived here pretty much my whole life. Okay. Um, I have, I've been married for 18 years and I have two kids. Okay. Um, New- who's 16, and Philly, who's 14. Uh, we homeschool them. My daughter is like part-time homeschooled, part-time in high school. Um, but we've done that for like seven-ish years, I think. So oh, okay. I, yeah, we've done that for a long time. Uh, I have a background in math and science, um, but 10 years ago, um, I made a shift towards um, basically being able to create and sell my own artwork and then um hopefully inspiring others to live uh, more creatively and that's kind of like where my trajectory is now uh, i do work part-time at a um my kids are involved in theater so i work part-time as a marketing assistant at like our local nonprofit theater so okay very much cool. yeah my life in a snapshot right now <laughs> I think I just realized listening to you what was missing when I tried homeschooling I don't have a background in math and science <laughs> and math was my biggest frustration we did it for a couple of years but yeah now we're I, doing it now we're being made to do it <laughs> right yeah. so it, it has helped like high school math doesn't scare me so that's been good. helpful <laughs> that's good because even middle school math scares me <laughs> It's just, I, I don't know, you just stop using that stuff after a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you know, I actually have a 16-year-old daughter also. Oh, neat. What's her name? Yeah. Michelle. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah you happen, what's that? We're definitely like full-blown in the teen years right now, so that's like a yeah. whole parenting experience. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure we have one. My my second is 12. Okay. So getting close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you happen to know your husband's and your children's types? Yeah, my husband is a six okay. and my son, Philly, is a seven okay. right now. I, don't, I know that can change as they grow older. Uh, and then Neve is like a, is a for sure a four and by far the most accurate person I've ever met as far as like an Enneagram type, like really? everything. <laughs> so, wow. Wow. That's awesome. I, I get it. Like, and it helped me understand like her so much more. Yeah. Um, 
just because we're such different people, like sometimes the way we express emotions and that sort of thing. So that's right. been helpful to understand like where she's coming from. Right. Yeah. I love using the Enneagram with parenting. It's so helpful. It is. It's really older, especially. Yeah. It's so interesting. And you're, and you understand like their motivations, like where they're coming from, where, you know, and even in marriage too, it's just helpful across the board. <laughs> For sure. So tell me a little bit how you knew you wanted to be an artist. Have you always loved art? Where did that come from? Yeah, I, um, so as a child, like my grandmother was very artistic. Um, she, and she always drew, I would go, like, she lived an hour and a half away. So whenever we went up there, uh, she'd always draw me characters. I'd always ask her to draw me like a ballerina or like a model, like some yeah. girl. And then I would just spend hours tracing what she drew or like just yeah. trying to redo it, recreate what she did. Yeah. Um, then like, as I grew older, I just always was doing people. Like I love drawing people, but not like super realistic, like somewhere in between right. a cartoon and, and something more realistic. Yeah. And then in high school, I ended up just really being absorbed in like my studies and like schoolwork and sports. And while I was still creative, especially during the summers, I, um, I loved math and science. So, um, I, after high school, I, went into more into those fields thinking they were the safe okay. bet <laughs> right <laughs> and which is weird now because like i'm like i know i fought that my whole life like i love being creative but i i you know i'm good at numbers and science and that sort of thing so um i kind of let that go a little bit and then realized like i'm not a person made for a cubicle yeah. <laughs> or a nice job and I love having the creative freedom to be able to, you know, make artwork and, and really just inspire others to like think of their day as like each day is a creative process. So yeah. we get to create those moments and um, kind of live like an inspired life. So um, definitely tapped into that more in my 30s after trying to fit that like nine to five cubicle job that just yeah. didn't felt like I was suff like suffocating myself. <laughs> right. Wow. Well, that's yeah. awesome. That's great yeah. that you were able to take that step. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like doing every day what you love to do, especially right. when it has to be your your source of income. And yes, yes, it does. I mean, there's definitely sacrifices, especially when you're just starting out um, and I think like we're so wired to find the like the path that makes the sense like the most sense or the the one most traveled so you know you finish high school and you go and find like your four years and you go get that safe job but for some people I think that it works and is very um healthy and other people I think that can be like a suffering life <laughs> so I yeah so it was it was good in my in my you know in the last decade I've been able to really just be a creative person and I still love numbers and science but um you know it hasn't been my focus as much right right mm -hmm. and how did you discover the Enneagram um I love Richard Rohr <laughs> okay he's my favorite author hands down okay uh, I I would say probably like four or five years ago, I started reading, I grew up very, like a very, very conservative, um, Christian. Yeah. So, um, it was not something I'd come across. Um, and I think, especially for a one, it fed into that very well. Like everything was black and white, everything was right yeah. or wrong. So, um, I was very entrenched in that. And then in my thirties, um, kind of went through that deconstruction, you know, like that messy stage and then reconstructing my faith from like right. a place of like ownership, like this is what I believe and this is why, not just because 
I love told me that. Right. So I started reading Richard Rohr and he had talked about it, you know, in some of his books. And I was like, I've never heard of it. And kind of like figured out what I was, like the type, spent some time reading about it, trying to like type myself and then realizing it's such a good tool. And so many people, it's, it's, I think it, it's a good tool across the board, no matter where you are spiritually or what your you know where your background is it can be something that reveals so much about yourself and others yeah so um, it was definitely something I love like studying and you know and going even my husband and I read the same books so we like we'll read the same books and then discuss it so it's always just like a a fun thing to do when you know you know like the people you love are into it too right, so right very cool and yeah. so was it just your interest in it that started bringing it into your artwork yeah like I um I think what happened is like, there's so many people that followed me that followed me because, um, you know, they, they like my characters or they had bought, you know, I, I, a lot of my artwork is for, um, people who like to color, like adult coloring and that sort of thing. Um, I I don't think I ever was, you know, my audience was not with me, you know, because of um, something I was offering spiritually or, you know, any tools like that. So, um, but I was so interested in it and it integrates so well with art that I was Um, let me throw it out there and see if people are, you know, like, um, you know, enjoy learning about it through a character or through something drawn. And it, and it seemed to be another connection point, I guess, for me and my followers. So even if they didn't know what it was, they were like, you know, what is that? And like, you know, I give them like a resource link or something to go like read more about it or find out about it and you know what type they are. And I think it's just been something that, um, is, both fun for me and for the person on the other end who was like connecting with it. So, well, you've done a great job. Thank you. I love doing it. It's really, really good, especially when it connects with the Enneagram. And since that's kind of my world, I think you do a great job of just bringing it to life and making it fun. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Great job with that. So let's talk about the type one. How, what was your process discovering that you're a type one? Uh, mostly just reading about all the types. I like, I love to read about types that aren't me. So I just love like, um, you know, like reading through different, um, websites and I, you know, I wrote back to you. I have that book. I have like Richard Ward's book on Enneagram. Um, and basically following other people and, you know, people who are coaches like yourself and others who just have gone through the education process of it, which I would love to do eventually. Um, but I think, I just loved reading about it. So I would read and then I would take, you know, test after test and I've never gotten anything but a one. <laughs> I felt like it, I definitely like the, um, motive, like the, the anger part of the one, um, the motivations just resonated with me. And yeah. while, you know, like other numbers, I'd be like, Oh, I get that too. Like, I think even in the movement from like, um, you know, a stress place to like a growth yeah. and like, my like th- tapping into that seven is like freeing for me. So, um, it kind of just made sense. And, and so I didn't, I kind of like spent a lot of time with it, but never got anything besides a one. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. So, um, I described a little bit in the introduction about what a one is, but I'd love for you to tell us in your words, um, how you would summarize a one. Okay. What's the essence of a one for you? Yeah, I think uh, a one is somebody who likes to be good. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like good at being good. Um, I, I think for sure it's. I don't personally um, always the re- it doesn't resonate with me to always be like oh they're super de- um, detail oriented or super like you know OCD about like um, keeping everything on schedule and that sort of thing like 
for me, that's not who I am. Right. Um, so I think there's always these nuances in your number. Uh, but as far as like, for me, for sure, it's the imperfections stick out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, oh wait, I can fix that. Um, and so uh, sometimes it's taking on a lot of things just because you're like, I can for sure make this better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and learning to kind of be okay with imperfections, I, I think a part of the growth in a one. Yeah. Um, I, I think the judgment part when you're not as healthy is for sure can be something that you're just inclined to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I struggle with that at times, um, for sure. And I think the neatest part about being a one is being able to see like an ideal or see like that better state of things and being able to offer something, you know, in that direction. So I love like the fact that it's like, you have like this imagination or like that you can see, you can visually see the better parts of things. So, um, I think that's probably the neatest part of it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. No, I love that. And you mentioned earlier the motivations and you just said too, being, wanting to be good. Yes. To be the best version, um, wanting to improve things. Yeah. And so can you give me examples of how you see those motivations coming through? Because I know um, if, for people that are listening and might not realize it, the Enneagram deals more with the motivation and why you do things than the outward behaviors, because all yeah. the types can kind of have things in common. Yeah. But the most important aspect is the motivation. Can you give us some examples of um, how? Yeah. Yeah. I th- the kid, the first, I, I was thinking about this the other day because I knew we were going to do this podcast. I was like, when is the earliest time where I was like, you know, oh, I like being good at being good. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember like as a teenager, it was, I was younger um, and I'm the oldest of four siblings. So, um, and I think if you're any sibling number, oh, the first sibling might be the, the lend itself nicely to being a one. Um, it's cause you're always keeping others kind of in check and, and like right. guiding them. So, um, my, I remember being in the van with my family and my mom had commented that somebody had said, Oh, you, you and Butch, who's my dad should write a book about parenting because your kids are so good. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm I'm a good kid and people see it. Like I, like it paid off. <laughs> like, I mean, all this, like trying to follow the rules and people noticed it. So, yeah. um, I think that was probably the first time I was like, I saw it like being noticed. So, and then like it had made a difference to someone. So they were like, Oh, I'd love for my kids to be like your kids, you know? So right. as, as young as I was, I remember feeling like a little puffed up by that. And then I think that, um, you know, as time went on, I just, preferred to follow the rules and that like that's how um you know like life made more sense to me so um now I'd say like sometimes I get myself into trouble (laughs) like now being like oh you know you take on too many things because you think you can always add something to it you know so like um you know whether that's you know with with your kids and their schooling or either friends or groups at church whatever it is it's always like your desire to be you know, to make it better or make something or add something to it. And so my husband is the brakes on that. And he's like, you can't do 50 things in your day all the time. So like, and it's much better to be good, really great at a few things and some, you know, semi good because you're pulled in too many directions at a hundred things. So that's definitely something I've slowly learned, you know, over the years. (laughs) No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Because I I can totally relate to that as a one. 
we're always seeing how to improve things. And then we think, well, I can probably do it best. So let me just do it myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I don't, I don't prefer group work. I like to just work on my own. <laughs> I totally agree with that. That's yeah. funny. Um, so let's talk about wings. What wing do you identify with most? I think I'm a two. Okay. Um, and I think, I think more of the two wing, right? I like, I could see parts of the nine and I'm like, Oh, I get that. Like, I, I don't, um, like I like to see everyone's point of view, but I think that's grown over the years. Um, like whereas before it was very black and white, very right and wrong. Um, but the two, like, I feel drawn to helping people and like, um, like it's very hard for me to say no when asked like by someone like, can you do this? Can you help me with this? Because I like, i like people matter to me. Although the two wing tends to be extra, a more extroverted one. And I'm for sure inter, an introvert through and okay. through. So yeah. I was like, you know, when I read about them, like, I don't know, just cause I'm not extroverted, but I'm, it's just, I love, I do care about people. I'm just very much an introvert in that. Right. Well, and that's the cool thing about wings too, is I, I like to say that they're resources because we can draw from both sides. Yeah. I friend of mine that I was, um, in one of the podcasts I did in Spanish, we were talking about wings and he said a good point that I loved. He said, a bird needs two wings to fly. And so <laughs> it's really good if we can learn to draw from both sides. I definitely relate more to a, a two wing. I feel like I have a really strong two wing, but I try now that I understand the Enneagram to intentionally pull from the nine wing. Because mm -hmm. I know I need to relax more. <laughs> I, know, I know that I need to just let things go more. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's it's good that you feel a mix of both. Right. I think that yeah. That's, yeah, that, yeah, that's great. Um, and I was going to say, too, like with a, with a nine wing, I think you made a good point of being able to see all the different mm -hmm. points of views. Um, yeah. Definitely a nine trait. Um, so you mentioned also the growth and then the stress. Mm -hmm. The integration and disintegration and so for a type one as you mentioned also we go to the type seven when we're um, at our best when we're growing when we're not in under stress um, right and so that of course looks like being able to pull from that playfulness that spontaneous um, right and just kind of being silly and having fun and not being so rigid or not mm -hmm. focusing so much on what needs to be done and how yeah. it's going to be done can you give us some examples of how that looks like for you um, the time I found it most, so like three years ago, we sold our house and we lived in a camper and just oh went out West. <laughs> I'd always wanted like a tiny, like I'm still drawn to like the bus life. Like I'm always like, Hey, like, babe, can we look at these buses <laughs> that we could maybe live in? And it, I mean, we really went tiny. Like I think our whole square footage was 140 wow. square feet. Like, and we had a cat and a dog and two kids in there. So, um, it was super tight and we um like left everything in New Jersey and just went out west and we visited national parks like we made it my favorite one was Joshua Tree like I, I could have I could live in the desert like I love the desert it's my favorite climate so um like it was just a really different and like out of the ordinary experience but the whole time I just felt like at ease and I wasn't nearly as like you know like I didn't feel the like rush or like the like a sense of urgency I feel just in normal life sometimes yeah. like it is just much more relaxed and everything had like when you're camping or when you're like um like on a road trip and like you have to like cook your meal over a fire like every act is like intentional so yeah. it's like it's dinner time now and it's slow and you have to cook it together right. <laughs> 
everything became so slow paced that it just felt like, oh, like this is what I was made for. So I think that was like, oh, like I can see like the seven in that, uh, in that trip, especially. And now I think it's more like now that we're, we don't, you know, we're not on a constant road trip. um, It's just being able to slow down and have fun and relax with like the kids and not always be like, well, I have 17 more things to do on like the to-do list to go to bed. Tonight feeling like I, I made it a good day, you know, like being able to put that aside and just laugh. Like laughter is like probably the best thing for a one <laughs> to be able to just tap into that and be silly. Like, and I know that's part of me, but so many times like I revert to like, suppressing it and just getting the things done in the day to make it feel like it was a successful day. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think um, that kids do a good job, not always, because they also bring out the critical side of us, but I think they also, they've helped me a lot tap into my seven. Weeks. Yes. <laughs> when I'm able to just let go of everything else, um, I think that part of being silly, whatever it means, dancing around with them, doing something yeah. that playful, out of the ordinary, helps right. me to tap into that. Yes. Be more intentional with that. Yeah. And, the, and like Neve, she's sometimes she would be like, like, this is when you're at your seven because I'm just like goofy, you know, whereas, you know, other times I'm not as silly or relaxed. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. And I think too, a lot of times we'll talk now about what a, one is like under stress, but a lot of times it's easier and more automatic for us to go there under stress. The integration and the growth part, we have to be more intentional about it. So it's good to know, like when, um, I like recognizing those moments when I'm there, or like you said, when your daughter tells you you're in your seven right now to kind of try to like record that in your mind so that mm-hmm. you can find an easier way to get there. Yeah, for sure. Moment, mm-hmm. you know? So a type one, when they're um, under stress or in disintegration goes to a type four and that's mm-hmm. where we kind of pull in a little bit more, um, can become depressed even yeah. or deal with melancholy, that type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, how do you see that play out in your life? I think it's mostly like, um, for me, it's an over, it's like the, the things that I normally try to move through in a day or like, you know, my goals or whatever it is that I'm working towards, um, nailing, you know, become uh, overwhelming to me. So it, and it's almost like a, a pullback from everything and I can't do any, like it's that, it's like that you hit a wall and it's just becomes like, I have 50 things to make this day good. And you, you can't move on one of them because they're, it becomes overwhelming because right. so, you're not in that healthy place. So, you know, and then that doesn't feel like sometimes it's hard to move out of that. So yeah. it's just that being able to like, just calm down almost and do like one, the next best step. Like I always have that thought in my mind, like the next best step, because when I'm in a place of stress, it's almost like a, um, like a recoiling away from everything and just wanting to be alone and, and not do anything because I'm just too overwhelmed. So yeah, that's probably how it most often, you know, the stressful part of it comes out for me. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, I mean, because we can, as ones, we can tend to be critical with ourselves Mm -hmm. and with others. Do you tend to be more verbal with your criticism when you feel like you're under stress? Yeah, I would say <laughs> from the people I live with, that would be a yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I asked that obviously because I deal with that. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like, you know, like even like this is this time in the world is just stressful. Yeah. And we were out um, scootering and, and skateboarding with the kids the other day. And we, the way our neighborhood is set up, there's like an uphill part 
and my dog was on like her longboard and she stopped she was like this is the part where it gets really hard and my my thought was and my words were like just stop complaining and just do it like you're a kid on wheels and for sure you can get up the hill and, and it was like so wrong you know everyone feels a little bit stressed out right now right and um, I think that my response was just coming out of a place of like, I'm not settled right now, you know? And um, sometimes I feel like under stress, I can get like resentful or super judgmental of what everybody else seems to be doing wrong. <laughs> That's not helping me do things right, so. For sure, um, I don't think I'm a quiet person in stress. I tend to, I, I want to recoil from everything. I'm not, you know, I'm not really going to be super, you know, um, I don't find tact, <laughs> I guess I put it that way to be my strong point, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned resentment and you also mentioned at the beginning that you really identify with the anger part of a type one. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't thought about talking about this, but let's just talk about it for a minute. Um, yeah. so the type one is found in the gut triad. And mm -hmm. also aside from that, cause those three types deal with anger in different ways, but also mm -hmm. Um, what I call our central weakness is anger as a type yeah. one. And so usually that looks like more of a frustration and resentment mm -hmm. below the surface sometimes can be kind of a constant thing. Mm -hmm. um, what was it that made you relate to that? And how do you, how do you deal with that? I think like, I remember in high school, at the, the first time I realized, I'm like, why is this like this for me? Um, I would go to school and I was very quiet and I was super, I was like, a weird mix of being extremely nerdy and very like into sports mm -hmm. so um like I gave a hundred percent all the time and I didn't I was very like I was it wasn't I wasn't social I was very kind to everyone like I worked to be super kind super thoughtful you know walk with the person who didn't have someone to walk with the class but I wasn't super popular and I was just very focused on studies and sports um, but the friends I did have, like, I would work all day to be good at everything. And then you would like come home and you just have like this simmer of like, you know, like this person like doesn't, didn't do this or like this person, you know, said this rude thing to me or whatever. And so it was like a, like, why am I so angry at the end of my day right. when I had a really on the outside, like a really great day. Yeah. So I think that's the first time I noticed it as like a, like, a, you know, like as a 17 or 18 year old. And I think now it just is like. Um, and now that I've hopefully a little bit more mature than I used to be, but it still can be there. Like, right. you know, like a resentment towards, you know, well, I think ones can have expectations that are, the bar is so high yeah. that it's hard for people to hit it. <laughs> so you're always going to be, you know, you could find yourself always disappointed if you don't learn to like incorporate some type of grace into right. your heart and, you know, your, um, the way you interact with others, especially the ones you love. Like, I mean, it will just be a constant, you know, point of tension for you. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I definitely had to grow in that area. <laughs> right. Yeah. And my husband and I've had this conversation a lot, just the fact that, um, like a lot of times I think we'll be talking about something and he'll say, don't go, don't get mad. And <laughs> I, my response is I'm not mad. I'm just it's that simmering thing. And since I'm most comfortable with him, I feel like I just kind of passionately talk about it. Yeah, it's like, I, my response is always loud. <laughs> I'm always like, they're always like, um, the kids too, like, why are you reacting so strongly to that? And it's like, I'm not angry in the moment. It, it don't feel it as anger, but there's because there's a, like something underneath 
it comes out as so passionate. Like I'm always telling them, I'm not angry. I'm just passionate about the way I feel about this thing. Right. But it, yeah. But it probably is driven a little bit by that slow simmer of anger, you know, under certain things. And I like the way you put it that we have to be able to mix grace in, hmm. in there because really, if you were to ask, I think anyone, it all comes from a place of we see how someone can be better or we see the best version of them and we want to help them get there. We just sometimes communicate it in a critical or repetitive yes. way. <laughs> and other people are like, okay, I got it. Like, leave me alone or don't <laughs> get mad about it when it's not coming from that place. But we have to be able to take responsibility for the way we communicate it, mix grace in with it so that people receive it in a better way, I think. Because I think the one has a tendency to be very preachy, the way we tell things. A lot of people don't like to be talked about that way, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. So what would you, how would you like summarize your favorite thing about being the one? Um, it's probably being able to have like the, the vision for what is possible, I guess. You know, like um, while it, the, the other side of that coin is to be, you know, disappointed that things aren't as good as they could be. Um, when you're working, you know, from a place of like growth and health, like you can be okay with the fact that it's as good as it is at this moment and still have like the, the thought and the capacity to imagine something better. Yeah. So like, um, you know, like when you think of famous ones, you know, like Nelson Mandela was probably like a one. I love Jerry Seinfeld and he's a one. So when I watch <laughs> like Netflix special comedians and cars like right. I, oh my gosh it's like so that would be my response to that yeah. you know like but and he's so he's like a funny one but um right <laughs> there's so many times where you can you're able to like imagine something as better and I think that is what we need in the world right now yeah. and it's just being able to tap into grace for yourself and then be able to extend that to others in order to move that you know along in a healthy way you know right. to make better in a way that people enjoy you being there and making it better. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Okay, so on the flip side of that, what would be your biggest struggle being a one? Uh, I think it's like the snap judgments, like the, you know, like it's so quick to see maybe where someone else isn't doing it the way I would do it. Or, you know, my expectation of this person is that they're perfect <laughs> because, yeah. you know, um, you know, I would not imagine them, you know, doing this thing or, um, and that can especially play out in marriage where you're like expectation for your spouse is, you know, you could be, the, you know, like this. And they were like, they're a human like you, you know, like I, I am no better than he is, you know, but I can't constantly come to my marriage from a place of like my, my bar is here. Yeah. And when you fall short, I'm just going to criticize you. So it's just like this. Um, I think my, the biggest struggle for me is like those snap judgments or those, you know, those criticizing remarks. So I have to be um, careful to like not talk in the moment of like anger or you know frustration and step back which is still really hard for me like I want to fix everything immediately so I can go on with my day and feel happy <laughs> <laughs> but that's not my husband tends to like need a nap and then come back to it so he slows like the argument down or like the the you know like the thing down and I think that's actually really good because then it gives you a breather and you can think through like you know, you, what you did, like what, what I did wrong, you know, first before I go to him and criticize, you know, those right. things. So I definitely the, like the judgment part of it is probably my hardest. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I resonate with that. I totally agree. So yeah. a question that I like to ask on my podcast is um, if you could ask the people that are closest to you, which is usually mm -hmm. spouse, family, 
or even close friends, like what you need from them to help you be your best version? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. Probably it is grace because it's like the hardest thing for one, I think, to integrate in a natural way. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I just feel like some space probably to um to be imperfect. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be and they my family's very good at that. Yeah, <laughs> <good>. <laughs> we and they're very good at like giving me, you know, forgiveness when I fail them. So right. um probably grace is like the main word for me for like a one. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Before we wrap up, I would love to give you an opportunity to share um, how people can find you online on Instagram and what, what you offer. I know that you have stuff that's for sale. Even mm -hmm. I have to tell you when I first saw your art, I don't know if you've heard this before, but um, it like took me back. The first thing that came into my mind was precious moments, but like with, the, with a very modern twist, I, I grew up with lots of precious moments stuff. I used to have like 17 Precious Moments coloring books. Oh, just, there you go. <laughs> I love them and Holly Hobby because of all the, I don't know if you know Holly Hobby, but. No, yes, I saw a piece that you did recently and I don't know if that, well, I had a Holly Hobby lamp in my bedroom <laughs> when I was little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I loved all the layers and like the ruffles and stuff of Holly yeah. Hobby. So the, yeah. I think that for sure I've been influenced by both those things. Yeah, so you can find me at um, Krista L. Smith. So it's K-R-I-S-T-A, lsmith.com. Um, that's my website. And, and then my Instagram is Krista Lee Smith, and L, um, Lee is L-E-I-G-H. Um, so from those two places, you can kind of branch out into, like, my shop. And, uh, you know, like, I have a Facebook and stuff like that. But I don't Twitter because I just never really <laughs> – I never got into that. But everything else is kind of branches out from my website and my Instagram. Perfect. And I love to how this past week, I don't know if it was inspired by the virus and um, the quarantine and everything, but one of my, my youngest son, he's our little artist. And so I've oh, been well. printing out your art for the kids okay. for them to learn how to draw the different figures. So that's been great. I think that was a fun idea for you to offer. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I've been enjoying like the time at home. Like I, the theater I work at um, closed for right now, obviously. So um, I'm at home and I had like extra time. So I know like, you know, like people who don't homeschool, you have never homeschooled. Like this is probably more challenging for them. So I figured offering like one or two pieces here and there or, you know, where the kids can sit and tap into a little creativity um, might be useful to the parents <laughs> to grab an extra right. cup of coffee. <laughs> oh, that's great. I thought it was a great idea and he loved it. So he has them all stacked up, the ones you've posted and <laughs> that's awesome. how to draw little animals. So he's excited about that. <laughs> well, thanks again for being here today and for sharing a little bit about your experience with the Enneagram. Thank you for having me. I was so excited to do this. So thank you so much. <laughs> Hopefully we can connect again in the future. Yeah, for sure. That'd be fun. To get to know today's guest even more, you will find links to their personal accounts in the episode notes. Thank you for listening to the Discover Freedom podcast. Continue to learn more about the Enneagram by following along on Instagram at Enneagram underscore Discover Freedom. You can also find me online at www.mistyescobar.net to learn more about the coaching services that I offer. This is Misty Escobar, and I hope you'll connect with me again next week as we hear from another Enneatype.